0: What did you eat for breakfast?
1: I had uh, an apple with peanut butter. Been real into smoothies, but didn't feel like making one this morning. So I just <laughs> cut up an apple.
0: <laughs> Welcome to episode 68 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. In this episode, we learn about the history of Boston-based guitarist, comedian, podcaster, activist, and teacher, Joe Messina. From growing up in a musical family, and not wanting to follow the family business, to discovering comedy and wanting to become an aspiring writer, he was then diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Despite almost quitting music altogether, Joe found himself embracing music once again, teaches guitar and other instruments, and is about to release his new album, Rageanomics. Joe also hosts a podcast that aims to provide a roadmap for those who feel frustrated with the slow and ineffective voting system and want to do more in the way of direct action outside of sharing posts and signing petitions. This week, I've been experiencing some major mood swings and have started taking a serious look at my diet, sleep patterns, and will be reviewing my medications with my health team shortly. I'm also once again looking for a therapist to continue work on my emotional peccadilloes. As I've said in previous podcasts, the reason I share this stuff is because I really want to reduce the stigma on mental health. So I also want to once again urge you to consider the need for large scale mental health programs, especially with the fallout of the pandemic, Black Lives Matter movement, and other societal issues that are arising. It has always been my opinion that if we as a society develop both our collective academic intelligence and and our emotional maturity, we will truly evolve exponentially as a species. So as you consider your voting choices and other direct action activities, make sure that part of it is improving mental health services. My conversation with Joe also brought to light some great resources for dealing with fibromyalgia, something I've been suffering from for the past few years. You'll hear in the interview that Joe has found success with the DDP yoga program and the curable app, both of which I'm starting to work with. To go along with this topic, I've also created a t-shirt with the phrase, fibromyalgia can suck it. $10 from the sale of each shirt will be donated to the National Fibromyalgia Association. All links can be found on the show notes page from this episode at musiconyourownterms.com. You'll also find this shirt available for purchase at the Music On Your Own Terms store. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Joe Messina, who is a Boston-based musician, comedian, podcaster, activist, guitar teacher, uh, ad infinitum, I guess. Uh, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. Yeah, somewhere in between all those is me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, if you could just give give uh, people a bit of an intro and maybe what what you consider your main thing, or if you just do everything...
1: yeah i guess i I guess yeah a little of everything i think the main thing i'm doing right now is teaching um because that's you know my my profession um
0: okay
1: i uh i resisted the urge to teach for a long time actually um my mom and my older sister are both music teachers um so it was sort of uh i was like i don't you know i don't want to just go into the family business Hmm. um but uh yeah, so I ended up, I actually didn't even go to college for music. I I went, but for writing. Um, and uh, I just kept finding my way back to music and struggling with sort of the artist lifestyle of like um, odd jobs and, and really shitty jobs, to be honest. So right. uh, eventually I was like, yeah, I could just do this thing I know how to do. Um, you know, teaching is, is kind of its own animal, but it was like, you know, I, I know music and, and I, I had been the camp counselor and stuff. I'd worked with kids, so it's like it was actually a pretty uh uh no brainer thing for me.
0: <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, so and you and you spent a little bit of time in uh, Philly, I guess. Um yeah. and from what I see from your history, you played in maybe one or two uh event type bands. Is that, yeah, is that yeah, correct?
1: I, yeah, so I played in a um uh, like a wedding band, um, that, did, you know, they did some like bar mitzvahs and stuff too. It was, it was an agency that mostly booked like wedding bands. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, after that played in like, uh, more of a, like event, like cover band that would play bars and that kind of thing. Um, the, uh, the first band I played in in Philly was actually my friend, Victoria Watts, uh, her backup band I'm actually wearing her t-shirt I didn't even realize (laughs) Oh, cool but uh yeah so she's you know kind of a singer songwriter solo artist um she had her own cover band that I filled in with a couple times but I played with like her originals band for a bit um so yeah it was funny because I uh uh I I think comedian was on that list I I moved to Philly to do comedy um Mm -hmm. and I, I definitely did, but it was like right away I was just finding myself in bands and <laughs> doing music <laughs> stuff without even really meaning to. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I've become more of a musician again over the past de- decade or so. <laughs> cool.
0: Um, that, that's great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I could go in tons of different directions with this, yeah. but <laughs> let's. Uh, I guess let's start. Um, you know, way back and, and discover where you got into music in the first place. Um, obviously your family, are music teachers, anyway. Yeah. So that that's part. But I mean, was there a specific impetus of, you know, seeing a band with and the guitar player, and you're like, oh, I have to do that, or, you know, like what what sparked it for you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because I started. My mom started me on on like violin when I was around six. Um. It, you know, she did uh I don't know if there was like a music program at my school, so she came and did like a like a Suzuki violin program. Mm-hmm. Um that it was, you know it was me and a few other kids. Uh and a couple of years later I I joined like this school orchestra in my new school. Um and really, you know, eventually I switched to viola, but that was like I, I did that whole like classical world. Um So, and that was almost like a given to me. I I did enjoy it, but there were, it was sort of just like handed to me as a child. And I never went like, like, Oh, I want to do that. Um, But with rock music. Yeah. My, my dad is a a guitarist, not in any like professional way, but he was in a band in high school has, you know, picked it up again over the years. And um, he was really into the Beatles. um, And, so it's like, you know, I grew up hearing like my mom teaching classical music and my dad listening to the Beatles and like great old rock music and stuff. Um, so I think it was probably a lot of his influence, just having those that imagery of like, uh, you know, all these great videos of the Beatles playing. And, and um uh, but what made me want to that's a yeah. I think when I got into like, um, yeah. So in middle school, I got into like Blink One Eighty Two and like Green Day, like the the kind of like pop punk bands and stuff that were happening. Mm-hmm. And I asked my parents for a bass. So I don't know if I like just thought like, oh, that'll be easier to manage. There's only four strings. Like <laughs> it's it's like similar enough to like the classical instruments I know. Um. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that's where it sort of started. It was, like, when I discovered, like, uh, my own rock music that was happening at the time. Um, and I wanted to learn how to play that stuff. And then I had a friend who played guitar, and he was a real, like, uh, <laughs> sort of burnout, like, antisocial kid mm-hmm. who was like, oh, you don't want to listen to this shit, man. Like, you got to get into, like, Zeppelin and all this all there, you know. So... That's when I I, uh, switched over to guitar and and really started to, like, immerse myself in the rock world. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And then I saw you're uh, currently studying at Berkeley. Is that right? You're doing the online program? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm doing, like, a certificate program. Um, I didn't want to go back to school because (laughs) school was just, like, not really my thing. But uh, I... And I'm at a point now where I, I I've overcome a lot of like health issues and stuff that were holding me back before. And I found sort of, you know, this professional world that makes sense for me. So I sort of said, like, I, it would be good if I had like a little of this, at least if I knew what's going on in the <laughs> the academic <laughs> side of this. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been cool. I'm just taking like one class at a time. I think I'll be done in, in you know, a year and a half or two years from now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool because I, I feel like, um, I was really lucky that I had a, I went to a public school in Connecticut that had like, uh, a renowned like music program, you know, Mm. um, for a place that wasn't like an arts school or like a private school, it was really like an incredible music program where I actually took two years of, um, music theory, like two levels of music theory in high school. Wow. Um, Like, you know, not even just like in my lessons or orchestra, it was like its own thing. Um, So I felt like I had started threading that needle and, and stopped along, you know, a little early. So taking these Berkeley classes has been great because I've definitely learned a lot more, but I also feel like I've gotten to a point with it where I'm like, all right, the, this isn't like making me a better musician anymore there there's, there is a point where music theory is just like verbal masturbation <laughs> like it's just a little bit like <laughs> all right dude you don't have to like give a name to everything
0: right uh, right for sure but i mean i i i, I that's the old old uh, question is like does too much music theory kill your inspiration and your your creativity um I don't think it does. I Like you said. No, it's... I
1: don't think it has to. Yeah, I think it, it it can in that like I learned a lot of classical music theory. And then I think I was probably a little bit limited in my rock writing because I sort of like knew how everything was supposed to be. And rock just does what it wants a lot of the time. Or it's based more on, you know, jazz theory and blues theory and stuff. Mm. Um, so it's been great learning that stuff because now i i see that like oh this doesn't have to work the way i was taught it has to work um so yeah that it 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 can be very helpful and i always tell my students like yeah it's really good to know this but the important thing is that you know how to play it. <laughs> right, that you know sure. how to like be an expressive and uh innovative musician um so yeah and i, I i'm i am relieved though that i my classes i think i'm done with my like theory and composition classes i'm on to like songwriting classes and recording classes and stuff where it's like oh cool this is a little more down to earth
0: <laughs> right right no it's funny because uh i i just thought back to uh um uh, an interview i did with uh anaysa uh, i forget the episode number but she studied in boston and uh she met a uh i think it was like a film, a renowned film, um, arranger or something like that or something like that. But the quote was, she said, what, you know, after all this time I've spent studying music theory, what is your advice? She said, forget it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Forget everything. So that's the
1: thing. Yeah. You learn the, the theory so that you can you know break the rules. You know what not to get tied down by. It's like, I, I took some, some, uh, uh, film writing classes in, in college. And, uh, it was the same thing. It was like, here's all the rules. And now, the list of the best uh, filmmakers are Woody Allen and uh, Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino, and they didn't do any of this.
0: So exactly. <laughs> so, well, cool. So, uh, you know, let, let's talk about the new album that you yeah. uh, that you're bringing out. Is it already out, or is it uh, just about to be released? It's called Rage. Rayge, Rageonomics.
1: Rageonomics. Yeah. It's um. It. So yeah, as we record it is on soundcloud and bandcamp okay um i just got the email that it's been distributed everywhere i but i don't see it everywhere yet so you Mm -hmm. know next few days
0: it should be on like spotify and everything awesome um yeah so to me it kind of sounds like a a modern ish punk uh protest songs would that be about right
1: yeah i think that's the uh That's the niche it sort of falls into. Yeah, I I recently heard on, like, some other podcasts about um, folk punk musicians, and I feel like um, my music doesn't quite fall into the same... Like, I I don't know if it sounds exactly like that stuff, but um, that was sort of my inspiration. I was like, I love how just, like, no-nonsense and uh in your face this stuff is like it it's yeah uh, i think everyone goes through a songwriting phase where it's like um i'm gonna like have all these cool metaphors and weave this through this and it's like (laughs) i really responded to this stuff that was just like here's what i think
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's brutally blunt at point uh, at times (laughs) I, i i can tell you that um but yeah no it sounds great um thanks yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's in your face, there's really not much to explore there in terms of what your uh, inspiration is, um, but obviously going along with the, the protest stuff, uh, you know, let's talk about your activism and your podcast, because that's obviously part and parcel with, with the, the album, so if you could talk to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I guess it, it's the, the album is sort of part of the same project as my podcast um because uh it, i've been going through a you know for years really a transformation from a sort of like democrat whatever person to <laughs> to a leftist um and uh yeah part of that is this podcast where um especially when COVID 19 started i said like i i just don't think that like voting for people and waiting for them to fix stuff is just really getting us anywhere um as we watch the the system collapse around us so i wasn't really sure and I'm, i'm still not totally sure but i just wasn't really sure what the other steps were like what else should i be doing Um, So I decided to just have this show where I ask people who are doing that stuff Mm. um, and uh, they sort of explain it. You know, I I want it to largely be a a guidebook for listeners um, because I suspect that a lot of people are like me, that they more or less agree on the goals, but they don't know what else to do besides you know vote maybe share some stuff maybe sign a petition (laughs) but like right right you know it's it's it can be really satisfying to watch like john oliver but um you know we the thing i mean the 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 thing about someone like john oliver and and uh hassan minaj all those people like a lot of times they are doing like direct action things like they'll set up some website like hassan minaj set up some like website where you can get to like all the free tax services that are that the companies try to hide and stuff Mm. so it's like um that that is direct action and uh you don't necessarily have to be a millionaire with a tv show to to do um maybe not those things but similar stuff
0: for sure yeah i mean i i still feel that you know like you said voting doesn't really fix stuff because the system's so slow. But it's still something that you have to do because you yeah. don't want to remove your vote from, you know, the the side that we want to win. Um it's just a small cog in a in a larger machine, I think. But yeah, right. um, you know, I think, you know, voting with your money is a very big part. If you can get people away from this corporation that's giving money to this hate group and and spend it <laughs> elsewhere, then, you know, that's a that's a big uh, that's probably more, you know, if you can get large people to stop spending money at some place, it's, it's very effective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I'm interested to dig into that more and, you know, really, really kind of start making a difference. Um, you know, I, that's what I've been starting to talk about on my podcast, just because everything with the black lives matter movement mm. is, you know, it's just getting to the point where everyone said this enough with this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which is it's great to see, but I think, you know, obviously it's still not changing quick enough, I guess.
1: <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's eye opening for a lot of us, I think, because uh we've seen more uh more changes and bigger changes in two months from mm-hmm. like people going out in the streets than you know than from maybe, you know, 20, 30 years of voting. Uh which again yeah not to say that voting doesn't do anything but it's yeah it's it's one part of a much larger um puzzle.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what wh- where do you think music um as a general statement fits in that?
1: Um I think it can be a bit of a a rallying cry, you know, like I I think people um without even realizing it, like use music as inspiration a lot of the time, um, whether it's, you know, just listening to music as you work out or run um, or like, you know, those love songs and breakup songs and stuff that like give you a sense of camaraderie and, and mm-hmm. uh, shared struggle. And um, I think that political music can do the same thing, um, cause yeah, it's, it's similar to the, d- the debate about like, does art change things or just comedy change things like, you know, political comedy or whatever. And it's like, not really, not the comedy itself, but I am interested in politics largely because I, you know, watched Ch- John Stewart growing up and listened to mm-hmm. no FX growing up and, and like that stuff, you know set a fire in me and I have gone on to like, you know, volunteer on campaigns and uh, work with, with activists and protest and do a podcast. So like, it's uh it's all part of it. And uh, that's, uh, you know, yeah, you mentioned like the, the punk side of it. And that's, that is what um, I was sort of emulating on this, I think, because uh, no effects, they're they're like, two Bush era albums and, uh, Green Day's American Idiot. Like the those were like huge, uh, huge influences on me musically and you know ideologically. Um, so those are the, uh, at least on the you know the heavier songs. That's what <laughs> those are what I'm Absolutely. going for.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we we could always almost say that you know activism, podcasting, all this kind of stuff is is like punk version three almost because if you look at you know the sex pistols onwards it's it's all really about activism i think the pop punk stuff kind of veered away from saying something it kind of oh, went, yeah. oh yeah. we feel good we're we're kids blah 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 <laughs> but you know the proper proper angst punk you know bad religion would be my favorite mm-hmm. uh, band but yeah i mean you to look at a band like bad religion and they, the singer is a a PhD and extremely schooled um, academic and writes books and does all this stuff. Right. So it's, it's definitely, um, yeah, I think everything, you know, that, that happens around it is very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's, it's just a nice addition to everything, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, It really does provide like a, a, driving soundtrack to the mm. whole movement like you know there's nothing about 60s counterculture like no no like filmed piece about 60s counterculture doesn't have like fortunate son in it, you know mm. <laughs> like these there is like some kind of power in that even, even if it's not the whole picture
0: absolutely yeah so um another thing talk about your comedy for a little bit i i did uh check out uh, a youtube video of you and uh oh. i really like the joke about the dolphin
1: oh thanks yeah um yeah for listeners it's it's about um uh how it's important to recognize that you know even even me even us who are so forward thinking will have stuff that our kids say is you know really backwards for the time you know mm. 30 years from now um and yeah, so it could be that, you know, dolphins are considered people, um, which, uh, yeah, that and that's one of the things that I, I hope I thread that needle um, correctly, because I don't want it to sound like like it's, uh, you know, ridiculing, like, trans rights or anything, like, mm. oh, oh, I identify as a dolphin. Like, there's definitely people who talk like that, but, yeah. um, you know, it's more like, it, just uh uh like you know it could be like i i it could be that i'm that ignorant ignorant um mm. so but yeah and that and that's that is always the needle i'm trying to thread in <laughs> in stand-up um and uh yeah it, it over the past like five years i think i because i think that video is from like 2016 at this point but um yeah it, over that period of time i think i i learned how to be a political comedian sort of um whereas i i think especially just being younger people are just less likely to really listen to anything you're saying about the world
0: <laughs> yeah <they're laughs> um, pretty fair
1: so uh, it, that could be why a lot of younger comedians talk just you know talk about weed and and shit and whatever so
0: <laughs> for sure um yeah so uh I mean you, you've said that you uh you make most of your living from being a school t- uh being a teacher um you know how how important I mean a do you have a, a range of you know income uh sources and you know how important is that to you know, how how important is it to have more income streams, especially when you you are a teacher and then, you know, ev- everything kind of pivots to online learning. But what what mm. let's say it didn't, like, right? You know, do you have that setup where you you could rely on other stuff or?
1: Um, yeah, not really, and that's part <laughs> that's partially <laughs> why I'm trying to get some stuff going. But uh, yeah, it, I I do have a a few different sources of teaching income, uh, which you kind of have to, you know, even if like, I'm not a salaried like school employee. Um, but even if you are, which like my mom was for, for decades and she still taught like a whole slew of, uh, just private students. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I teach with, um, school of rock, uh, one of the locations in Massachusetts. And, um, I was teaching with a, uh, a Suzuki school, um, some violin and, and guitar actually. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So they like, that's the thing. Like they don't have students for me right now, but I've been doing like music transcription work for them. Okay. Um, so, which is good. Like, that's something that, uh, as you know, as a kid who was obsessed with music, I was doing that sort of for fun or just, just to like figure it out, mm. uh, when I was, uh, you know, in middle school, high school. Um, so that's cool. That's a like skill. I haven't really gotten to use yet. And, um, I was, I was actually just about to start another job. Um, when, uh, quarantine shut everything down. Um, which it was kind of a um to- like toddler music class uh but a- more of a show like they had puppets and you know sure a bunch of different songs and stuff um so <laughs> that was uh so that was interesting that just like was going to happen and didn't and I don't really know at this point um but yeah it's it's uh it's it's lucky that it does kind of work online um mm you know school of rock kept us working and it, we all lost some hours but uh uh they kept us working i kept my private students um and yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm interested to see what happens next cuz uh mm-hmm. we we got lucky the past few months and i, I don't know what august is going to look like so
0: <laughs> no i mean i <clears throat> I'm in Texas and it's shockingly bad. Yeah. Um, but I did see something about, you know, even Massachusetts where the numbers are down, being affected by the states that are, you know, skyrocketing just because of travel and whatnot. But I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because it, it scares the crap out of me. Honestly, <laughs> just the the mentality.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's just no real like enforced like requirements uh right so this is what we get for <laughs> for fetishizing freedom
0: <laughs> yep so uh yeah i mean you you're also in a uh is it a geo called jackson mo right? uh yeah
1: yeah um that's with my friend max barth um so yeah he i met him in college and we've been doing comedy stuff together since then which is you know uh 12 years (laughs) it's a long time now um but uh yeah we so jackson mo started as a musical segment on a comedy show we were doing okay uh there's um comedy theater in philly called good good comedy theater um and we knew we knew the people that started it. And we you know, so we started doing this show back like before they even had their own theater and they were just like putting on shows in different places. Um, and it was it was like a lot of different themed stuff. Like, you know, some of it was like improv related, um, but a lot of it was the kind of thing we did, which was a political sort of variety show. Um, so we wanted to make it sort of a, a live like stage version of like a daily show or something.
0: Mm.
1: Um so yeah, we almost as like a time filler. We, <laughs> we started having just I would come out as like a folk singer and just sing some like ridiculous song. Um and uh, I think the the first one was actually the uh um the fourth track on my album which is the ballad of the independent just mm-hmm. <laughs> which sort of congratulates people for uh, being apathetic about politics Mm -hmm. sarcastically. Um, But uh, so that was like a good mission statement for our show. And I think um, I don't, I don't know if it was the best received part of the show, but it was definitely the most fun part for us. Um, And it, it also got to a point where I said like uh, to, to Max, like you should come on stage with me. I think it's just funnier visually if we're a band and he's, you know, Max plays the guitar, but it, he never really like studied it. He's not like a, um, and, uh, so he was always like, I don't know, man, like I can never remember the chords. Like, I was like, whatever, it's fine. Cause like, we're just funnier together. Um, so yeah, it turned into a thing where we were like, we should record some of these as, you know, a real thing. So we it, like, so my album, I think it sounds okay, but I recorded all of this in my apartment um, and the, you know, the drums are from garage band and stuff. Like we w- took Jackson Moe to um, a friend who has a recording uh, studio in his house. And he's, mm. he's a uh, um, you know, for a while he, I think he met Max working at a coffee shop. They both worked at, but at this point he's like just a uh, recording engineer. Um, So we went to him, we hired a couple of musicians and we really like tried to get a super authentic, like real band sound um, so that our, you know, dick jokes would, (laughs) would come across. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's, I like it because um, so, you know, I was saying like my new music is very in your face, like this is what I think, and I don't care what you think. <laughs> and, uh, Jackson Moe's a little bit more like, um, uh, like bouncy and playful with it. Um, where we, you know, we wanted them to be a little more evergreen. We wanted it to be sort of, um, it's political, but it's like, you know, one of our songs is about, like, the, it's, a, it's like a Beach Boys inspired song about, like, <laughs> going to the beach but it's after the apocalypse like the climate apocalypse so like that kind of thing where it's like you know you can probably gauge what we think from that but it's mm, it's right. it's just playing around with it a little bit more
0: that's funny so
1: yeah it's it's like um, you know Weird Al Yankovic is, is obviously a big influence on us and the thing about him is he always nailed the instrumentals Mm-hmm. Like his band is so good and they're mm-hmm. able to replicate perfectly what the actual song does. So then their version is so funny because you're just listening to the, the words.
0: Right. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Um, yeah. So what I like to do kind of towards the end is, is start talking, uh, start asking non quick fire round questions, which could be okay. quick fire depending on your answer. Um, so the first one, what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So, um, I, uh, so I mentioned I didn't do music in college. Um, and yeah, the reason why is, is a little, uh, it's sort of twofold. So, um, I was, you know, I'm 17 in senior year and I'm auditioning for colleges on viola. And, uh, I don't know if it was just overuse or the stress of, of it. Um, my wrists just sort of like gave out on me. I just had, um, you know, what I was told was tendonitis. I think that's a kind of a nebulous term at this point, but, um, it was just, you know, your wrists are inflamed from, from overuse. Um, so that was one reason I didn't, uh, go forward with it but i tried to like keep my foot in in the music world um i played in an orchestra my freshman year of college and didn't go that well because i you know had, <laughs> had this problem with my wrist and uh I, you know at the at the time also i was thinking uh, well i want to be a comedian i'm going to do like a writing major and and focus on that instead um but yeah, I just wasn't able to play. I still played guitar here and there. Um but I really like almost quit music. I I was uh. sort of like, yeah, I'm, that's just going to be like the the cool fact about me when I'm, you know, <laughs> when I'm a, going on podcasts as a comedian, you know. Um but uh yeah, I I think it was um trying to think of what happened when i when i got to philly i just decided to play in these bands because i was like you know what i know how to do it my wrists have been hurting for years i'm just gonna like work around it because Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's either like um give up music forever and my wrists still hurt or i (laughs) my wrists Mm -hmm. hurt and i get to play music um so it after a few years i i uh I started getting much worse pain um so this was back in like 2016 2017 I started having like more problems with my wrists but also like my whole arms and my neck and shoulders were getting super stiff um, I was getting more back pain and stuff I would like I would go out um you know during the day and even on a day like I didn't have work I you know maybe just like went and met someone somewhere for a bit and then came back. Uh, and I would just not be able to move for the rest of the day. Um, so <laughs> start going to like a million different doctors um, and you know, they're suspecting all sorts of things, rheumatoid arthritis and mm-hmm. uh, i don't I don't know what else, but <laughs> they just like, you know, yeah, it could be it could be anything, but they never really found anything. It was never like the x-rayed or felt something it it was just uh so i was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia um and uh it was yeah it was weird because i i sort of felt relief i was like all right i know what it is and i know this isn't like something that's degenerative or something like it's not like uh ms or something um and the doctor who diagnosed me seemed pretty uh optimistic which i thought was weird because i always felt like people with fibromyalgia are just disabled um but she was like oh yeah like you just you know uh focus on therapy and getting better sleep and and whatever and and i think you're gonna feel so much better and it i didn't (laughs) spoiler Uh (laughs) and um so it, it got to a point where um I was living with uh, my now wife in Philly uh, and I was just immobile. Most of the time I was, I had started teaching at a school of rock in uh, New Jersey at that time. I was working there maybe two days a week. Um, I ended up quitting the band I was in. Um, And I just sort of felt like this is, this is it. This is the rest of my life. Um, And I ended up discovering uh, something called DDP yoga, um, which is the diamond Dallas page um, yoga workout program, Uh (laughs) the uh, former wrestler. And uh, I, you know, I heard him, I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, which I don't listen to anymore. I don't want (laughs) to lose any lefty cred, Um, (laughs) but uh, I heard him on Joe Rogan's podcast and I was like, this This sounds pretty cool. Like, It sounds like people are overcoming a lot of different things. But I was also a little bit like, well, what I've been told about Fibro is that it's, it's invisible and you're not going to fix it by stretching uh. or whatever. Um, but I looked into the testimonials and there was actually one or two people with Fibro who were like, yeah, it, it was miraculous. So I started... I started doing that. I also did like some physical therapy which might have helped, but this uh GDP yoga thing was uh so amazing cuz it was the first thing that I did it and then I felt better than I did before. <laughs> like yeah. and it, a, a lot of the other stuff it was like you know the physical therapy was maybe a, a little bit of relief in the moment and like um if I would work out however however lightly it was just you know not changing much um and this i had even tried like regular yoga and it was just uh, you know if it's not tailored to your limitations even if you try to take it easy it's like you're trying to hold poses and stuff that your body just doesn't want to do and uh this this thing was uh really pretty miraculous and then on top of that, I found something called um, Curable. It's a it's an app. Yeah, um, I've seen that. You've heard of this, yeah. Um, and it's it's based, yeah, pretty much based on the work of this guy named John Sarno, um, who is a, 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 a forget what kind of doctor, but with you know back pain and stuff. Um, and it's really like. I think this is what that doctor meant when she said like, take take this like psychological approach to it. Um, but she didn't explain it that well. And this app just walks you through like um, there's different meditations and there's just sort of retraining your mind to think of this as like, you know, th- there's dangerous pain and then there's like stress pain and stuff that you're, you know, just because your your brain is telling you you're in pain it, it doesn't mean like your arms breaking and you can tell your body that and it will actually change how you feel um, and a lot of it was like writing exercises that may or may not have been directly related sometimes it was like write a letter that you won't send to your dad or something <laughs> it's uh-huh. like it's, it's it's like wild but it actually helped a lot and i think doing both of those things at the same time um with curable telling me like uh that you're capable of much more and then ddp proving that <laughs> uh. that um got me to a place where um you know we were about to move to boston and I, for a while we were like i don't know how this is going to work because like i can't lift boxes and my wife is you know um has kind of kind of her own pain problems and stuff too so it was like are we going to do this um and it got to when we were packing a van and i was just picking up the boxes with no problem um got to boston and and started working at a couple of these places bunch of hours and i was fine and like uh you know if i stop doing the workouts for too long then (laughs) then it kind of comes back um but you know it's a small price to pay to uh just be able to live a life when I just didn't think I would be able to. So That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah.
0: I really appreciate you sharing that. Um Yeah, I I mean, I, I've just felt like I've been listening to my own life for the past couple of years because same thing, tons of doctors and like, mm. oh, you have fibro. I'm like, okay, but that's a catch-all. Yeah. So no one could find anything. And yeah, last year I was fairly incapacitated. I've been wow. getting better this year, but I'm really – definitely going to check out that workout that yoga and i yeah. had i had kind of started to look at the uh the curable thing but mm-hmm. yeah no i i totally feel everything you, you're saying
1: yeah um, oh that's that's great I, man. i've been
0: struggling too so uh, i sorry you. to definitely hear that thank but you for it, that yeah
1: um, yeah yeah, the, yeah curable i i think i had seen it at some point and sort of like didn't write it off but i was like okay it's another thing that says it will help but like uh yeah really does <laughs> sure.
0: awesome um so what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey and you can answer that how you how you'd like
1: yeah i think um uh yeah again i was lucky to have this very supportive environment um at school and uh and from my parents like you know my parents and i have like as contentious a relationship as as you know probably the average person with their parents um so i go back and forth on that a bit but they did you know buy me instruments and get me lessons and and uh uh you know take me to shows the and, and all this stuff so um they were they were very supportive um and uh i think something that really gave me a push um in music and comedy was uh my grandfather on my mom's side died i think i think 10 years ago now it was 2010 um and the last uh christmas present he gave me and, he, and oh i should say he was a jazz musician and um a very pro- uh, prolific music copyist so that's yeah. you know i have the uh those transcription genes in me Um, but he was, you know, he was like the real deal, like, uh, doing stuff for Leonard Bernstein and, um, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and all these people. So, um, he, I, 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 when I was really young, I like wanted to be a musician and I think he was sort of pushing me (laughs) away from that. But, uh, he also loved comedy and he loved, um, uh, that I was doing it and I think George Carlin was both of our favorite comedian uh-huh. um, so the last present he gave me was uh, Last Words which is George Carlin's like autobiography uh-huh. um, and he he was an awesome dude like he would every time he, he, he loved reading so he would give people books as gifts and he would always write like a very personal note in the front cover and uh, what he wrote In this book for me was, um, uh, it was something about the Isaac Newton quote, like, I've stood on the shoulders of giants. And he said, Here's a giant with very broad shoulders from your chosen career, or something. And it Uh was like, uh, and my grandma, like, reaffirmed this for me later. She was like, That he was telling you to go for it with that note. Uh Um, so it was like, on some level, I, I like, uh, had this sunk cost fallacy with comedy or it was like, I'm not a successful comedian yet. Like how am I, I'm like letting down my grandpa. And it's like, no, I think he'd be perfectly happy that I'm like going down a music path, going down a teaching path, whatever it is. Um, But it was just this sort of like, I, you know, from so many other sources, I was always hearing like you have ADD and like your grades aren't great. And whatever, but he was just like, you're awesome, dude. Keep going. <laughs> so that's that was—that's awesome. uh, definitely something that keeps me moving forward.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Uh, final question is: What does music mean to you?
1: Uh I mean I, everything. I guess <laughs> it's sort of uh, it—it's you know a, a a language I learned as a child. You know, like there's bilingual kids who like learned both languages growing up so it's just innate for them um so yeah i i think uh i don't know if this is a bit of a cop-out answer but it's kind of my whole life like (laughs) uh it's it's what i spent most of my time doing Mm. from you know six to 18 and uh and then beyond um it's something that (laughs) <laughs> whatever our other differences are, like my whole family has in common. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and like we talked about before, like it's, it's driven me to like the uh, areas of my life that are important to me now, like comedy and, uh, and politics and everything. So it's really uh, my whole world. <laughs>
0: awesome. Great. Um, so, if people want to, uh, you know, get in touch, find out, you know, what about your comedy, about your podcast, about your music, uh, where can they go?
1: Um. Okay. So I'm my Twitter is at Joe underscore Messina, and that's M E S S I N A. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. By the way, no problem. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I've been introduced on stage as um, uh, Joe Mencia which is not a name you want to say around comedians. It's not
0: even close, but yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Joe underscore scene on Twitter uh, at Joe Messiah on Instagram. Um, and facebook.com slash radicalize me is the uh, podcast or anchor. Dot FM slash radicalize me. And uh, it's all, you know, the podcast is everywhere. The album would be everywhere soon, but, if it's not yet, you can go to SoundCloud.
0: <laughs> awesome. And then uh, at the end of the uh, episode, I like to play a piece of music. Um...
1: Yeah, yeah. So this one is um, the first track off the new album. It's um, it's called What Did It Get You? And uh, I I sort of describe it as a, a fuck you to the boomers, the government, and the police.
0: <laughs> awesome. Great. Um, this has been a fantastic interview. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, continued success and uh, definitely keep in touch because I'm gonna dig into your podcast and your music and and
1: and curables.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really appreciate it. So, yeah. Um, thank you again. Yeah, thank you, man. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, then I'd be extremely grateful if you would. I have added a page on musiconyourownterms.com to allow you to do just that. On that page, I have added some eBay affiliate links to equipment I use on the podcast. If you buy anything from eBay with these links, then I earn a commission which really helps me continue to provide this great content to you, the listener. Stay up to date with the podcast and find out who I'll be interviewing in upcoming episodes before they air by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. On the site, you'll also find show notes for every episode, some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Joe Messina with What Did It Get You? What did it get Get you? you took what they gave you What did it get you to get straight
1: A's In fucking corporate wage slave school
0: Turn like everybody told you to Hey, they got me too